Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Morning, church. So good to see you. Hey, can we welcome everyone joining us online? We love you. Grateful for you. Really are. Hey, just, I just want to congratulate. We have made it in our, we've, we've been in a year of reading through the Bible, the 50 to 52 major events that communicate the heart of God to us for your life, for your family. And it's been a great journey. We've been walking through the Old Testament and friends, we have arrived at the New Testament, the new covenant. Everybody say hallelujah. It's all good. It's all good. <clears throat> Really excited over the next six months as we, as we learn and, and walk in all of the, the beautiful texts of Scripture and it's how perfect it is, how applicable it is to our life. And we, we've, just, we've been on a journey and we've seen the goodness of God and we've seen God constantly reaching out to His people, constantly wanting to know them, constantly wanting to, 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 to meet with them. And we saw people also rejecting God. And as God's heart is to know to know us and to know mankind. And we saw the heart of man that is actually, we don't want you. We don't want what you have for us. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way. But here's the beauty of, of where we've been over the last six months. We see this relentless pursuit of God towards people who don't want him. He never quit. He never stopped. He never said, you, you just forgetting. He never did. And we saw God raise up a man called Abraham and, and make a promise to him that he would bless him for, for the greater purpose. There's a great purpose coming. We saw humanity just blow it all in the garden and they just gave it all up because they, they, to, to be the, they wanted to be God. They wanted to, have, they wanted to be like God so they wouldn't need God anymore. And we saw the depravity of, of mankind. We saw Baal worship, we've seen child sacrifice, we've seen sexual immorality, we've seen just the brokenness of mankind laid out in front of us. None of us have said, well, you know what? I don't know if those people really need God. They got it all together. It was obvious they didn't. But we've seen this pursuit of God. The pursuit of God to, to make a way to meet them. And so we come to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. And the passage that we're covering today is possibly one of the least interesting chapters in all of the Bible. Isn't that exciting? That's so exciting. And it's Matthew, Matthew 1, 1 through 17. I'm not going to read it. It is the genealogy of Jesus. But I want to give us a context of this passage. And then, and then I want us to understand what Matthew is saying, what God wants to say to us today. The reality is this, as we're in Matthew chapter 1, that Jesus, the Savior, has arrived. Now remember, this is after Jesus has, has um, been born in Bethlehem. He has lived his life. He's done miracles. He's died on a cross. He's been buried. He's, been, he's risen from the dead. He spent time with his disciples. He, he also has ascended to heaven. The day of Pentecost has come. And Matthew is writing from this context. But he's writing to Jews. And he's writing this book to Jews and he's, he's going through this genealogy because it really matters. It matters to them. And so for the Jew, they would have known their whole life that the Messiah would have to come from a particular bloodline, from a particular genealogy. And so as you get into it, it begins with Abraham. And it, and it was pure. And as you read through it, it's pure all the way to King David. Then, then he would be pure from King David to the end of individual claiming to be the Messiah. But, but this person claiming to be, be the Messiah better be able to prove their lineage. And so Matthew is giving a legal claim to show Jesus to be the Son of God. But here's the other thing today. We, as, as those who aren't Jews, we are now, though, we are a part of the kingdom of God because in the new covenant, there is no such thing as a Jew and a Gentile. That's what Paul says. You either, you either are believing and part of God's kingdom or you are not. There is no Jew or Gentile. 
So we are reading this today, and it's going it's to bless you. I don't know if it's going to rip your face off like Mark said, but I'm hoping it does. I'm hoping it does. Someone's like, I like my face. It's all right. But this genealogy, we find some people in this genealogy that are, that are uh, not so much of the most upstanding character. And as you read this, there's, there's some really boring information. But it's not boring if you're a Jew and you're reading it. And to the Jew, the single most important thing about one claiming to be the Messiah, again, is this family lineage, their pedigree. The reality also is important because the Jews that are reading, they understand the brokenness of their past. They understand that God's people who were chosen constantly went away from God, constantly said, forget you, God. They saw the kings who, who were supposed to lead people in the ways of God actually get turned away by, by, by Jezebel and get turned away by these other people to worship other gods. But also these people see a God who won't quit on them. He won't stop. And so part of the Jew, it's important to, to also reference the brokenness of their past and the, and the brokenness of, of who they are. And that, yeah, they're chosen by God, but my gosh, they have constantly been, been if you want to look at it, failures in following God. They could, just couldn't live up. They just couldn't keep the law. And here's the question. When the law was given, was the law given to keep them from lying or had they already lied? They were already in violation of the law that was given to them. And they knew it. So this is part of their story. But they need to know, does it match history? Does it match what the prophet said? What are the proofs of the identity of this Messiah? Can I count on it? And remember, this is, again, this is written after. After Jesus has done his ministry. And so, really, this genealogy is like a drum roll. If I could do one, I would, but I can't. It's like a drum roll. Setting, setting things up it's, it's for the big crescendo, to, for the big, that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is here. It's a drum roll. So as you read it, you anticipate it's getting louder and louder and louder for what comes next is going to be the reveal. And Matthew begins, verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. And I want to read through this because in this genealogy, he gives, he gives these groups. There's three sets, three groups of 14 generations leading to the birth of Jesus. This matters. And I, I want to highlight some of these significant names Matthew listed in these verses and that maybe we would be more familiar with. The first group the first thing mentioned besides Jesus, one is introducing of Jesus is King David. King David, the, the king whose line God promised to establish his, the kingdom or the throne forever of all times. Then Matthew moves to Abraham, who was one through whom God promised the blessing would come to the whole world. And then Abraham's son, Isaac, who was a miracle baby, born of Sarah, then there's Tamar, who's the first woman mentioned. And Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. And again, this is important to understand the context of this genealogy. The Jews understand that in their efforts and in their past and, and, and things that was in, in, their, in their family line, there were some really dark, broken things. And Matthew, introducing the Savior of the world, writes about Tamar, Judah's daughter-in-law. Judah was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's from him, his name that we get the term Jews. It's where the, the term comes from. Judah's son, who was married to Tamar, he dies. Tamar then married another one of Judah's son, who failed her. Then Judah wouldn't give her any other of his sons, even though it was, he was supposed to, it was custom that he should do this. So Tamar, who's in the genealogy of Jesus, disguises herself as a prostitute and tricked Judah into sleeping with her, which led to the birth of the twins who were listed in this passage. 
They're mentioned in Jesus' family tree. Then there's another woman, and we've talked about her through this, through this journey, through the Old Testament, in Jesus' family tree. Her, her name was Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute who was spared. She was a Gentile, but she was spared because she helped protect the Israelites when they infiltrated Jericho and when they came into the promised land. So she was with them. She came in. Then we move on to the third woman who's mentioned here. And there are great, there are patriarchs mentioned. There are all, but I just, there's something I want us to catch here as we get to the new covenant. There's a third woman mentioned, Ruth, and we've, we've heard about Ruth, the Moabite woman who came from a people group that's known for their sexual immorality. Moabite people were forbidden to come into the assembly of God's people. That's the first group of 14 generations. It's a great group, isn't it? Just a wonderful. Second group. 14 generations, there's, a, there's another woman who's mentioned. She's not explicitly named, but it's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, which we've heard about that through this journey, in which Uriah, her husband, King David, who's mentioned right after Jesus' name, he had an affair with her. And she was more than likely just a, a, possibly a victim of David's power. Her husband then was sent to the front line because she was pregnant now with David's child to die. And David sends a letter, gives the letter to Uriah. Take this to your general. The general reads it. Uriah, Uriah doesn't know what's in it. General opens it up, send Uriah to the front line that he may suffer, be in the middle of battle. General knew. David is sentencing Uriah to death. King David had a son with Bathsheba named Solomon. Then Solomon went off the rails when he started leading. He had a lot of wives. And that's just crazy. So here, here you have an insane person in the genealogy. I, I'm just, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes I say things and I go, come back, Jason, come back. <laughs> then Matthew also listed the kings of Israel all the way up to the exile. Some of these kings did honor the Lord, but the majority of them were evil. We've read about them. You're like, oh, that's terrible. And they, and they led God's people away from worshiping God into idolatry and to sin, which eventually leads to the destruction of Jerusalem because of the consequence of their sin, because God disciplines them because of their, their rebellion. And this leads to the destruction of Jerusalem. It leads to the children of Israel being led away and becoming slaves in Babylon. The third group, as you get to the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew now traces from Babylon all the way up to the birth of Jesus. So here's the question, why? in the world would Matthew choose to reveal Jesus like this? And so Matthew is writing Jewish, two groups of people, Jewish believers who are followers of Jesus. He's also writing unbelieving Jews who are contemplating whether Jesus is the Messiah or not, if they were gonna put their faith in him. Now, the Jews knew of the brokenness of their past. The patriarchs, yes, they loved those. They knew the Messiah would need to check all the, all the boxes to fulfill and to be. But listen, if anyone showed up in Jerusalem and said, I am the Messiah, for the Jew, they need to make sure it matches up with the, what, what was prophesied, what was written. And so Matthew is laying, it's not, they, he doesn't start, with, doesn't start with miracles, though that's great. But the prophets of old did miracles. They want to know what's his bloodline. And so Matthew is laying this out. Now, many of the people Matthew's writing to have, have actually, because of their faith in following Jesus, they were losing their families. They were losing their possessions because 
the institution of Judaism that was put there to protect the Jews. The priests were put there to protect the Jews and prepare them for the coming of the Messiah, failed them and made it about the, a, a religion versus about the one who was coming. So when Jesus shows up, they are blinded. They are blinded because that's what the leaders of Judaism were doing. They didn't want them to recognize. This is the, the, the sheep pen that we hear about in, in John 10. This is, what, this is what Judaism was designed to do, to keep the people in the sheep pen, to keep them from going off into the other nations. And it's how, why they taught the law. It's why they had diets the way they did. That's why, because there were these things that made them different than everybody else. But then Jesus comes and he calls his sheep and his sheep know his voice and they follow him out of the sheep pen of Judaism. And so these believers that Matthew's writing to, they have followed Jesus now. They are following, some are contemplating, and they've lost things. Their, their safety is in jeopardy. And this genealogy was incredibly significant because Matthew wants, wants them to have confidence. Hang on a second. You can be confident. You can be confident in the one that you are following. He is the prophesied Messiah of old, and he is in our midst. He has come and ascended, and you can follow him, and you can be safe. And he's making sure. So here's Matthew who's walked with Jesus. He's a disciple of Jesus. He gave his life for Jesus. And he gives these opening statements about Jesus. This is the genealogy. This is the genesis of Jesus the Messiah. And essentially he was saying this, salvation is here. Salvation is here. You don't have to wait any longer, it's here. And so we've been, we've been walking through the Old Testament and we, it's like, oh God, here we go. Oh man, we're waiting. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing to the reality that Jesus the Messiah will come. And I want to share with you three things that I believe that Matthew is saying as we step into the New Testament experience, the great joys of everything we're going to experience over the next several, several months and the first thing that Matthew is saying, and I want us to understand about Jesus, and he's saying to these Jews, number one, the, Jesus is the one sent to save us from our sins. What Matthew was introducing about Jesus begins with his name. The name Jesus actually in the Greek is a Greek form of, of Hebrew, which means Joshua or Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. In other words, God so loved the world that he sent. How did Yahweh save? He sent his only son. Or it means the Lord is our salvation. And I think the reality is this in this journey. Is that we are discovering a God who through the past of the Jews... We're discovering a God that no matter how far you've gone, no matter how, how distant that you think you are, no matter how many failings you have had, he is a God that won't give up on you. He is a God that actually has been from the beginning wanting to draw near to you and to us. The whole purpose of Jesus is for, to make a way for us to be in God's presence, for us to be close to God. Because as we see, even the, the genealogy of Jesus through the Jews, they, they are, they are they're failing. They can't do it. They can't keep it. They can't keep the law. They, they continue to stumble. Their major patriarchs in their, in their journey have, have come up short. And it's this beauty of the new covenant. It's this, that God actually wants you to know him. He actually wants you to be with him, and he actually wants to be with you. The God of the universe. He did all of this to make that possible. I remember there's a, a distinct moment for me. It was a Christmas Eve. I was in southern Illinois, and it's... There's like zero light pollution because we're in the middle of the sticks. And, and I thought, man, you know, we're celebrating Jesus' birthday. And I went outside and there's, we used to have this huge poplar tree. 
massive, and we had a, a, a rope swing on it. My sister used to swing on it all the time and sometimes me, but it was a lot of fun. But I was probably, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 years old. And I went out there, and I, I, my grandpa had given me a little harmonica, and I, I just went outside, and I looked up, and I, I, you see the, the vastness of the stars. And, and sometimes when you're in the middle of, like, nature, you, you're reminded of how tiny you really are. I remember I sat on the swing, and it was pitch black. And I said, Lord, it's your birthday. We're celebrating and I just, I, I want to just play for you. So I remember I got the harmonica out. And it was just me and God. And I played. And in a moment, I felt his presence so close to me. And from a young age, I don't know why, when I feel God's presence, there's a, I, 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 I weep. There's a brokenness of spirit but it's a good brokenness. It's, a, it's healing and it's assuring. It's just, I don't know why. I wish I didn't cry so much, but I do. But I just remember just feeling his presence. And it was in that moment I just realized God really wants to be near me. And I really want to be near him. And I just, I remember just being in his presence and, and just being overwhelmed. Why would God want to be with me? And listen, I, I got nothing to offer. I, I, listen, I have nothing in my life that, that, that is, is going to add anything to God. And my journey with God has just been this just overwhelming sense of God wants to be with me. He sent his son to make a way so I could be with him. And when you read this genealogy, you go, it's like Matthew's going out of his way. Hey, just so you know, God wants to be with you even when this is what your past is like. Even when this is your life. Even when this is your, your own brokenness. Even when this is, even when you don't even, you don't even want to talk, to really come to grips about really who you are. What you've really done. And, and, the, and the depravity of your own life. Matthew's going out of his way. Hey, 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 listen, listen. God sent his son because he wants to be with you. I've always connected with God through, through worship from a young age. I just sense God's presence in that. And I remember... I, I wanted to learn how to play the guitar because I thought, I, I, don't, I, don't, I just want to be with God. I want to play for him. He's my audience. And I remember I bought this little guitar at, I don't know where it was, probably Walmart because that was the biggest store where I was from. So at Walmart and, and I strung it up and I got a VHS tape and you pop it in just for some of you, that's a tape that goes in a VCR. <laughs> and, <you, laughs> and I remember the, the guy on there had this like, you know, um, Afro, strange. And I remember looking at the court, the, the formation of his hands and, and, and I was learning it. So I learned three chords and I thought, man, I'm just gonna. And I remember where I was, my parents' living room, my parents were gone and I sat there and I strummed one chord. And it was like it attracted God's presence. And it's like, he's like, I want to be with you. And I want you to be with me. This is what the genealogy of Jesus, it shouts to us, God wants to be with you. And God says, and I want you to be with me. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what you've gone through, I want to be with you. And that's humbling. And Matthew was telling them, this is Jesus that came to save you from your sins. 
where the angel later appears to Joseph in the book of Matthew. Matthew writes, who would have had to interview Mary. He writes this in Matthew chapter one. He says, Mary, your wife, excuse me, when an angel visits Joseph. Mary, your wife, this is what he says. For that which is con conceived in her as of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So here Matthew listed a genealogy of a bunch of people that no one would disagree they are sinful. It must mean because it's part of God's purpose and plan that he's going to send his son so that he can deliver us from our sins. It is because God wants to be with us and he wants us to be with him. Before the birth of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus' arrival had been set before the foundations of the world that God had set into place so that he could be with us and we could be with, there would be no barrier anymore between God and us because of what Christ has done. Remember in the Old Testament, there was an appointed leader after Moses whose name was Joshua to take God's people into the promised land. And the arrival of Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, is about he now is taking sinful people with no options or no hope into a relationship with him and into eternal life. That's our promised land now. That was a type and a shadow of what Jesus was coming to do for all of humanity. And in this list of genealogy, these, these sinful men and women of of adultery and sexual morality and prostitution and incest, you go, come on, Matthew. Do us a solid and don't put them in there. But Matthew is saying, uh-uh. That's why Jesus came. That's why God sent him, was to save us from our sins. Why would God choose to bring the savior of the world through such broken, stained humanity. It's so important for us to understand that Jesus came through the Jews, fallen humanity, to save the world through his righteousness, not ours. The Jews were not. They, had not, they did not have perfect righteousness. They needed a savior. We see it in, their, in the list here. And Matthew is announcing, he's telling to the Jews and to all the world. He's saying, listen, if someone needs saving, is what he says to us, but he's proclaiming it just in the genealogy, if someone needs saving, if someone is broken, if someone has a checkered past, which is all of us, if someone is depraved, if someone has nothing to offer God, which is all of us, Matthew is announcing to the Jews and to us and to the world, which are all, all broken, all of us, hurting, doomed, cursed, rebellious. We're rebellious against God. We're just like the Jews who God said, hey, God said, hey, I want you to obey me. And we go, yeah, no thanks. That's why Isaiah 53 says this, that all of us have gone our own way. Each of us has done our own thing. We all like sheep have gone astray. All, everybody say all. And Matthew is saying this, if you're broken, hurting, doomed, cursed, rebellious, hopeless, regretful, embarrassed of your sin, if you're a slave to sin, if you're destined for hell with no way out, he says this just in the genealogy, look no further. Your savior and savior of the world is here. The one who has come to save you from your sins, Jesus, the Messiah. When I read the names of, of all of this, I, the, the backstory, there's a theme. <laughs> there's a theme in all of our lives and there's a theme with everyone here. 
It's a theme of immorality, failings. And Matthew is showing this connection that Jesus the Messiah came for the world in sin. But many people keep themselves distant from God, even after they come to Jesus. Many people come to Jesus, they receive, we receive salvation, we receive what God has, and we're like, oh, thank you for saving me. But Lord, I can't come any closer to know you because I'm not good enough. Because I've failed. Because I've fallen. And God says, but I want to know you. I want, I want to be near you and I want you to be near me. And we say, God, no, no, I, I just, I'll just stay here. I, you don't know. I, I, I can't really fully, I don't deserve it. I've, I've, been, I've been divorced. I've I cheated on my spouse. I embezzled. I, I, it's in my past, and I, I, I'm, Lord, you're helping me move through this and, and, and keep me, from, but I can't come any closer. I can't, can't get any closer because I'm not worthy, and we keep ourselves distant, and here is God. Here is God who made the way for us to come boldly into the throne room of God's grace through his son, Jesus. He didn't say come into the, to the throne room of God's grace because of your righteousness, because of your goodness, because, because, oh, you don't ever mess up anymore. He said this, I want you to come here because of the righteousness and the grace of Jesus. So he has made a pathway for us to run into his presence. And we say, I'm not worthy. But just for you to understand this, you do not have the authority to designate whether you are worthy or not. Only God does. Now you can... You can do it yourself. I'm not worthy, but, but whatever God says about you, that's reality, not what you say about yourself. So, so we say, but I'm not worthy. God says, I know. That's why I sent Jesus. And the pathway has been made. And God's saying, I want you to be near me. And I want to be near you. And we said, no, God, I just got to stay here because I'm, I, I can't. And God says, I want you to come into my presence. I want you to experience why I sent my son. I want you, this is about me being faithful to you. And God invites us to know him. As we get to the new covenant, this is the theme of God. I want you to get to know me more. And I've made a way for you to know me. And the reality is this, if we will just open our hearts to God and just say, God, I got nothing to offer, but I want to know you more. His presence, like it met me on the swing with a harmonica in the middle of a podunk town, comes in and says, son, I want, to, I want you to know me. I'm waiting on the invitation. Most of us don't get near God because we think he doesn't actually care or, or we, we don't actually give him the invitation. We want to, but we keep ourselves distant. And Matthew was going out of his way to say, hey, do you see all these people in this genealogy? God made a way for them to be near to him. Because he wants them. Listen, God doesn't just put up with you. God isn't like, well, I guess because I'm a responsible parent, I guess I should make a way. I guess I should take care of it. He wants you as his son or daughter to know him. Even now when I'm saying this, it warms your heart. And you're fighting even in your own mind. Does he really? Yes. Matthew reminds us the second thing through this genealogy is that Jesus is the one who came for the morally outcast. So why in the world are these people included in the, in the lineage of, of Jesus Christ? The same reason 
your name and my name is included in the Lamb's Book of Life that leads, that will lead us into eternity. Do you know why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, everybody say whoever. He doesn't say that don't have a checkered past, that haven't made mistakes, that haven't failed. The genealogy tells us, oh, looks like everybody blew it. So the, the qualifier for who can come into relationship with God and be near him and he wants to be near you is whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him, who? Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever. And here's Matthew revealing Jesus to people. They even know Matthew. Listen, Matthew was a slimy tax collector. They knew. They knew what he did. He made his living by cheating his fellow countrymen out of money. After Jesus called Matthew, he, Matthew threw a party to introduce his friends to Jesus. And the only people Matthew knew to invite to his house, the Bible says, were sinners and other cheaters. <laughs> That's who was his friends. Just like him. They know Matthew. He's a Jew. They, I mean, you know, they, they understand. They're like, yeah. Matthew knew that He's the least likely person to ever be writing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as he's introducing Jesus, he must be filled with such gratitude and such thankfulness. As he's writing the genealogy, he has to be filled with like, man, God, I'm just like these, these folks here. They, they didn't have a chance. And he knows Jesus came for the morally outcast. Those that others gave up on, Jesus said, I'm coming for you. This is what following Jesus is all about. This is what Christianity is all about. Is that we can receive forgiveness and we can step into the presence of God. And he wants to be near us. Yes, he's the one that reveals our own sin. He's the one that, that says, hey, I want you to repent of this. What it says all through scripture, we repent of our sins. That means we change the way we think. That means we don't want to live that life anymore. But he's the one who actually shows us what we need to repent from. He shows us, reveals to us what is sin. We can't identify sin because we're sinful. How in the world are you going to identify sin if, like, you don't know, you're just depraved? It is the Holy Spirit himself that shows us, hey, son, you're a sinner. You go, oh, my gosh. And you feel the weight of your sin. And then, then the Holy Spirit says, hey, but son, daughter, I got some hope for you. Jesus died for that sin. And if you put your hope and faith in him, he will cleanse you. Had a great, incredible time with one of Cheryl's uncle yesterday. He's a Vietnam vet. I've known him, Cheryl, I've been married for 23 years. I've known him for 23 years. I remember the first Christmas I spent with Cheryl's family 20 years ago. And I sat next to her uncle. And he smelled like alcohol. And I just wanted to get to know him. And he started telling me the story. I, re I remember it so vividly. On a Christmas Eve, he's telling me the story how he was in Vietnam. He was an, inf he was an infantry. He was also airborne. He was a, a gunner on a helicopter. He said they were, we were coming in and two helicopters got shot down in front of me. And he said there were bullets ripping through the, the helicopter. And he goes, I just, I just... I just cried out to God. I said, God, if you'll get me out of here, I will serve you. And he said, somehow, I got out. And I remember 20, 
years ago. He sat on that couch and he says, I've never fulfilled my promise. And so, this is a man who's been running from God for 50 years. This is a man who thought he was too far gone. He never fulfilled his promise, which then made him even want to be further away from God. And a year and a half ago, this man gave his life to Jesus. And this is a Vietnam vet, hardcore. I mean, I was scared of him too. And he could give you the dirtiest look. He was, a, he was a nice man, but boy, you knew. And he sat there at his kitchen table. And he couldn't speak about Jesus because he was too overwhelmed with gratefulness. And God's changed this life, changed this family. And he's praying for his children now. What this genealogy says is God sent his son for all of us who have been running from God, who didn't fulfill promises with God, who actively sinned against God. But here's what it also says. There is hope for anyone and everyone who will put their faith and trust in Jesus. There's hope. And the last thing I, Matthew says that was genealogy. Yes, Jesus is the one who came to save. He's the one who came for the morally outcast. But he also says Jesus is the one who came to bless the world. He came to bless the world. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew mentions that Jesus is the son of Abraham. What he's saying about Jesus, he's revealing something about the statement about his connection to Abraham. In order to know, you gotta go back to Genesis 12 and God tells Abraham, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, if you isolate that event, you will say, well, it's, it's Abraham. It's the, the, it's the people from it. It's the Jews. The Jews are the blessing to the world. And if you don't read the scripture theologically sound and from cover to cover, that's why we're doing this. So that we can see God's heart and God's picture. And as God's saying... Yes, through Abraham, there will be a blessing that will come through him to the whole world. But it wasn't Abraham. It wasn't the Jews. The purpose was the isolation of the Jews so that God could bring forth his son through them so that the nations, including you and me, can be re-inherited to God. And yes, the promises of Abraham, yes, they are there. In Christ, the Bible says that the promises of Abraham to us are yes and what? Amen. So to be from the, the, the to be connected with the Son of God, to be in line with the promises of Abraham. It's not about a bloodline, it's not about an ethnicity. That's what Paul clearly states in Romans. True Jews, are, it's not ethnic. It is those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is what it says. And because of that, now you are sons and daughters of God. And because of that, you reap the benefits of Abraham. The promise to God through Abraham is now fulfilled in Christ. And all those who are in Christ now have access. And the promises are yes and amen to us who put our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. The, so he introduces this idea of the blessing of God spoken through the lineage. A blessing to the whole world. 
What's the blessing? Jason, I disagree. I disagree. Well, yes, if you isolate the events and you create theology around one or two events, you miss the heart of God. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to the coming Messiah. Coming Messiah. One is coming who will save you. One is coming. Oh, yeah, you can't do it, can you? You keep failing, can you? you and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac on, the, on, on Mount Moriah was a sign. There is coming one that will climb up this Mount Moriah, but it won't be, it won't be the first son of Abraham. It will be the one and only son of God and he will climb up on the altar himself and God himself will crucify him on behalf of all of mankind and God himself will give his own son so that all of humanity and God himself will bring all those who put their trust in him they will then receive the blessing of God himself and through them because they love his only son through them will be the blessing and will flow from them to the rest of the world that's what that's what the Bible says. Galatians 3.16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his what? It says scripture does not say, say not say. And to seeds, meaning many people. But, and to your seed, meaning, look at this, one person who is Christ. If you find yourself wrestling with this, I would ask yourself why you are struggling to give all the glory and honor to the Son of Jesus, to the Son of God who is Jesus. He deserves all glory, all honor, all credit. The arrival of Jesus was the moment in history that the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth arrived on earth from the line of Abraham and to David to the blessing of salvation to the whole world. God so loved the world that he sent. It's important for us to understand too our position. The, the genealogy of Matthew was connecting all those who put their faith in Christ back to the original plan of God that we are now with him. God wants to be with us. He wants, he wants us to know him. That we're not, we, we're not some subpar receiver of God's presence because we're Gentiles. No, in the new covenant, there is no such thing as what? Jew or Gentile. There is no such thing as male or female, meaning, meaning this, because we need to clarify today, meaning this, meaning women were not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and meet with God. Based on the tabernacle structures. So with Christ, all barriers are removed. That those who are actually, those who are actually now children of God are those who are in Christ. And we can, again, what Hebrews says, we can come boldly to the throne room of grace and to the presence of God. No one is, is excluded. Everybody, everybody can come, that's you. And we need to understand today that it was all about Jesus from the beginning. It was all about Jesus. It was all about God's mind. Yes, absolutely. The land of Israel has, has promises deposited in it. Yes, but even when Jesus walked the earth, it was not fulfilled and it wasn't controlled by, by, by Jews. It, wasn't, it was controlled by Rome. Jesus himself was walking on the earth and it wasn't about a nation. It was about a kingdom. It was about a kingdom that God sent his son to shed his blood. And in that kingdom, through his blood, he's made us kings and priests to rule and reign in the kingdom of God on the earth. It's about a kingdom. God will fulfill his promises with the land. Jesus returns, it's gonna be in Mount, Mount of Olives, things are gonna split open. It's gonna be amazing and awesome. 
But Jesus came to establish a kingdom of kings and priests. There is no kings and priests. There is no... If you trace your, before you had to trace your lineage to be a priest back to the, back to Aaron, and then you could be a priest. That doesn't matter anymore. There are no priests in the order of Yahweh unless you can trace your lineage back to Jesus. Colossians 1.16, for in him, who's the him? Jesus. All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. I want to say something to you today because I love you and I love God's word. There is no double anointing because a person is a Jew and is following Jesus. That's a, that, that's a theologically incorrect understanding of the work of God. You have the full anointing that Jesus has given you because of Jesus. There is now not, no Jew nor Gentile. And I say that to you because I want to give you confidence that somehow there's not some special thing with, with ethnicities. And no, it's so explicit if you want to see it in Scripture that those who are in Christ, those who are with Him, those who put their faith in him are saved and you are kings and priests to rule and reign. And in him, all things were created. Things that have an earth, visible, everything, thrones, all things have been created through him and, and what? For him. And I want us to understand that Jesus has called us. God has called us to be near him, to know him, so you can walk in your biblical authority, being what God's called you to walk in and to be. I want you to hear my heart to you today. God wants you to be near him. He wants you to know him more. He wants, he wants you to, to, to stop disqualifying yourself because of what happened or what was. And he wants you to come into his presence and find healing, find restoration, find your peace, find, your, find, find your, the new mind that is found in Christ. That old identity is not yours anymore. As you look through, yes, but I'm, I'm this person, and I'm this person, and I'm this person. Except when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Your heart is made new. Your identity is transformed. You are now a son and daughter of God. And you walk differently. You stand differently. And the issue with, is this, is that the enemy lies to you and connects your identity to something that's actually not your identity. But here's the power of a lie. If you believe it, you act like it's true. So we need to understand that Matthew is laying out this genealogy because he, he, uh, he wants us to understand our identity and is not what we were, it is what we are in Christ Jesus. That we come into the presence of God, not because of our perfection, but because of Jesus' perfection. That we are clothed in the righteousness of God. And so as we walk into the presence of God, we reject all lies that I don't belong here. We reject all lies that, that no, people are too far and people have sinned too much. No, 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 no. They come into the presence of God because of Jesus. And we need to understand our position and our place is for us in this new season as we step into the new covenant that we understand God is saying, I want to be with you. 
Stop disqualifying yourself. Stop stopping short. Stop thinking, oh, I'm good. No, come into my presence. Hear my voice. Listen to me. Receive the gifts of my spirit. Let me walk with you, speak with you, minister to you and through you. Stop living under the law. Live under grace and walk in the power of the anointing that I've given you through my son, Jesus Christ. That's what he's calling us to. So, simply this. God wants you near. Don't believe anything else. And let's spend time in his presence and come near him. He just doesn't uh, love you. He likes you too. Listen, I've been married for 23 years. There were days, not that Cheryl's ever told me this, but I know, she loves me, but she doesn't like me. Now I like her all the time. But here's the thing about God, He loves us and He likes us. He likes you. And He says, will you be with me? Let's stand to our feet. If we can, let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we receive the truth from your word today, spoken from Matthew chapter 1. We found ourselves, even in the genealogy, we found our our own persons. And it was hard. But we recognize that this is Jesus. This is about you, the Messiah. The one who came to forgive us of our sins. And so, Lord, today we make a decision. We're going to stop disqualifying ourselves from fully walking in the anointing you have for us, from fully getting to know you. We're gonna stop staying outside of your presence or not wanting to fully come in because of our own pride, because maybe we've failed and, and so we, we, we feel like we don't deserve, but Lord, it's in your presence that we find healing. It's in your presence that we find joy. It's in your presence that we have joy and we see things for as they are. God, we come into your presence, not because we're perfect, but because we need you. And we come there because of your son, Jesus. And we come in humility. And we come recognizing your call on our lives. And we come surrendering ourselves to you. But we come to meet with you, to be with you. And we receive the confidence that you love us and you like us. Lord, we will never be in your presence and it will we'll never be an inconvenience. You'll never be in a bad mood. You'll never not have time for us. You'll never make us take a number and have to wait. You're waiting for us. And so Lord, I want us as a church God, do we make a commitment that we want to be with you and we want you to be with us. And so, Father, may your spirit dwell in our midst fresh and new. May we dwell with a greater sense of grace, a greater sense of call. And may you go with us, God, from this place to go and be what you called us to be that we would carry that blessing that was found in you, Jesus, now to someone else. And so, Lord, we give you our lives today. May you heal us, restore us. We're grateful for you. Just remember the heads bowed of you here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. Can you just raise your hand right now? You recognize that you want to know him. Anyone? Just raise your hand right where you are. This is your chance. Bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just hold it up. Thank you. God bless you. If you recognize you, you don't know Jesus 
and you want to be a son or his daughter and you want to come boldly to his throne room and you want to, and, you're, and you know right now that you are a sinner and you recognize it, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're going to pray it with you. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I repent of my sins. I put my trust in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for making me your child. From this moment forward, I'm yours. Thank you for liking me. And thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand today.